Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime kitty co-hosts, Miss Purrington and Mookie. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column, all of my Austin Chronicle articles on the Austin comedy scene, our festivals page listing upcoming festivals across the country and the world, and our FPIA contest page. We're best known for our events page for live comedy shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW, where 100% of the entries you see come from comics and producers. If you want your show featured on the calendar, click the Submit a Show button from the top of the homepage or events page to complete the short survey. It's free and easy. Tag us on your Instagram stories and we'll share your show promo uh, to our Instagram followers. Want to support these resources we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Click the Support CW icon on our homepage to see the ways that you can help us. Now back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we'll usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we are talking to somebody who's half of a comedy power couple. I probably shouldn't lead with that and should just lead with his credentials as a comic, but that's what I wanted to to make everyone aware of. Um, He is the co-host of the Works Every Time, a.k.a. The Wet Podcast. Oh, it just makes me cringe. I'm sorry. At least it's not the moist podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> he is the 2019 Burbank Comedy Festival Best of the Fest Detroit to LA winner. You've seen him on the William Montgomery Show podcast, and his special Black Thanksgiving is on Amazon Prime. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Marcus Oland. Thank you so much. Oh, you hit every point. <laughs> That was awesome. I, I do decent research. Yeah, you did. I mean, so the, the Works Every Time podcast, it was like we did, we recorded like three or four before we came up with a name uh-huh. because we didn't want to like, you know, just come up with a name for it. We wanted to see the vibe. Yeah. And uh, we were just, uh, we were calling one of the co-hosts, Philip Garcia. I don't know if you know him. We were calling uh-huh. his brothers just to kind of, just to get some content. Yeah. And one of them was just telling us a story from the night before when he was at a bar. He's like a younger guy and he's like, oh, he just kept saying Works Every every time so we're like oh that's a good and then we didn't even realize that the abbreviation would be w-e-t it's wet so it's like oh man okay i'm not a they always they always use the wet term but i'm like it just works every time i don't know but yeah that's yeah that's where that came from so there you go are your co-hosts younger than you philip is younger than me justin is older than me so i'm I'm, I'm the middle child okay so you can't even claim that you know it's their their young immaturity that, that comes through on that well, you can be immature at any age. That's true. I, I, I like to think I'm pretty immature, so. <laughs> uh, well, welcome, Marcus. Uh, sorry for the delay. We had uh, your your lovely other half here uh, last fall, and uh, it was at that time that I learned that uh, you two were, were a couple, and for people that don't know, uh, it's Genevieve Clinton, mm-hmm. who is amazing, and... Um, so we're going to just get that out of the way so that we can focus sure. on Marcus the comic. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because like we don't really like go around telling people. There, I mean, we knew people in, we're both from Michigan. We knew people for probably a year or two where we had been dating and they didn't know. And yeah. we'd be going to their mics every week. And I remember there was this one guy when he found out we were dating. He's like, you guys are dating? I was like, <laughs> I feel like you're the last person to find out. But yeah, I don't know. We're just, we don't know how to tell people stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's not like it happened in Austin. You guys came from Michigan together, made mm-hmm. the choice. Well, she, as she tells it, uh, she, you, you two had settled in Dallas at first. For a little, yeah. And then she came down, or you both came down for Kill Tony, right? That's the first time we came from Dallas to yeah. Austin. And yeah. And she got picked mm-hmm. and got booked. Mm-hmm. On, on the secret show right after and i guess you both talked and realized oh dallas isn't where we should yeah and dallas was cool but it was just kind of a holding place um we knew we wanted to eventually come to austin but yeah when we literally the first time we drove down here she got pulled and you know on kill tony and it went well and yeah. at that point we were coming down here once or twice a week and that's a long drive yeah so we <laughs> We yeah. eventually were like, you know, we don't have real, like, it's not like we had family in Dallas or anything that was keeping us there. So we were yeah. like, let's see if we can find something in Austin. So we yeah. found an Airbnb for like three months and just stayed there until we could find something more permanent. Yeah. And uh, it all worked out. So Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. cool. Very cool. All right. Well, let's go back uh, to my official icebreaker question. Okay. Uh, which is one word to describe your past. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do a groan? Yes. I've had somebody say oof. Yeah, I'll go with whatever groan sound I just made. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I mean, and uh, and so that's the one word, but Uh it's just like, you know, you've made so many mistakes in your past and it's hard not to dwell on them, even though everyone tells you you can't and you got to move past. I don't know. I, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so there's part of that where it's just like, uh, you have, you know, I, I quit drinking about three and a half years ago. Okay. But like, you don't, of all the things you still forgot while you were drinking, it's just, it comes back to you at times. You're like, oh no, I did that and this and this and that. So, um, but there's also a lot of cool things, uh, a lot of, a lot of parts of my past where it's like, oh man, I, and even just like driving here, you know, there's parts of driving here where you're like, oh, this reminds me of California. This reminds me of the different mm-hmm. places you've been. So, um, there've been a lot, I, I, I've lived a really cool life. I've had a lot of cool experiences, so I don't regret anything, but yeah. Yeah, I guess the initial, the initial <laughs> when you ask that, it's like I, I immediately go to the negative things. I don't know why I do that, but uh, that's something else I got to work out. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's been a lot of cool, a lot of things to be grateful for. Sure. Um, but yeah, my mind jumps to all the things I messed up. Where I'm like, oh, you idiot. But you well, I very similar. I, part of me wonders if that's like a Western European thing because I'm very much influenced by my mom, who's mm-hmm. Belgian. My dad uh, was. Uh, from south texas and much more chill vibe and my mom is just this very stern belgian woman Mm. and you know i always go to the negative yeah i mean you know my mom's german she's uh she raised me mostly you know we're speaking german at home and all that so like you know there is that part of me where it's always that instant guilt and i grew up catholic too so there's another level and i grew up in the midwest so there's i have like triple guilt it just never ends (laughs) Uh, so maybe that's something I got to figure out too, (laughs) but like, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's like the same with comedy where if someone says you had a good set, but you're, you know, there's that one joke that you missed. It's all you're thinking about, you know? Um, so I don't know what you would, it's a little bit OCD. It's a little bit this and that, but it's like at the end of the day, you have to, I have to force myself to remember the positive things because otherwise my mind will naturally just think about the bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when did you move to the States? I was five. Uh, we okay. moved to Michigan when I was five. And uh, yeah, so, but I, I did, we used to go back a lot. Like we used to go back, you know, a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. And then when my parents got divorced, I kind of stopped going back for a little bit. And then uh, when I was like 17, we went back again, 17, 18. And then when I was 20 and 21, I was working over there. So oh. that was fun. Excuse me. Um, to be an adult working over there and just kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like after like a month or two, my German is like back, back, back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can speak yeah. German, but like when I'm there and I'm just surrounded by it yeah. all the time, it, it you know you start getting real fluent again. Um, so that's fun, and I just felt you know you feel healthy over there because you're not eating all the processed crap yeah, you eat, right. and you're walking everywhere, yeah, and you're walking a lot, bicycling. Yeah, and I wasn't even eating like healthy. I was eating carbs, like a lot of carbs. <laughs> yeah. But it's just when you know when you don't have whatever they put in the food here i don't know yeah. <laughs> just do feel a little healthier so. yeah yeah for sure uh it's funny similar thing I, my 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 dad was very homesick he met my mom over there mm-hmm. was he uh he was very homesick so when i was seven is when we moved to texas okay and uh, my mom in the summertime she would ship me over to my her mom my my grandmother mm-hmm. and i'd spend the summers there and it was so cool because i was the american mm-hmm. coming in for the summertime mm. so it was uh, very fun to be you know a little little well star. yeah <laughs> it was it was always funny to me cuz like when we moved here i didn't speak english or anything like that mm-hmm. so to all the kids in my school i was like the foreign kid and then when i would go back i was the foreign kid there so i never i've never fit in anywhere yeah. it's <laughs> Maybe that's why I do comedy now. But uh, yeah. it was funny. Like when I was working over there, when I was 21, um, I had a, I was just, you know, working like a finance internship and I had a phone call with someone in America. So uh-huh. I was speaking English. So I'm just sitting there having the call in English. And then after my, after the call's over, I hang up and this German guy pops up from the other side of the cubicle or whatever. He's like, your English is so good. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, he didn't know him. <laughs> Because, like, I, I've tricked people both ways yeah. where it's like, and then there's people here where, like, if my mom calls me, I start speaking German on the phone, they're like, they look at me like, what? Yeah. I was like, hey, you, and these are people who know, I, like, I'm German. They're like, well, I didn't know, like, that German. I was like, what did you think I meant? I don't know. So people are always a little shy. It's But it's fun to shock people. Um, yeah. 
And then there's the moments where there's like German people just around because they love to vacation. Uh-huh, yep. So like you'll just see them and you don't want to, you don't want to, because you never want to be rude to anybody. Mm-hmm. But it's like if, every now and then there's a little point where you can insert and then they get so, they're like, how did you know? You, how did you, you speak German? That's crazy. Like we were barking one time for a show and, uh, you know, handing out flyers outside of Sunset and somebody, uh-huh. there was a German couple who walked by, somebody handed him a flyer and I heard him talk to themselves. They're like, I don't think we'll understand that. And I was like, I said in German, I was like, you'll understand it. Uh-huh. They're like, whoa, what? How did, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm just, you know, if you want to check out the show, but yeah, I don't think they came to the show. Oh, wow. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. But, yeah. It is fun. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you think that, that comedy and laughter was something, is that something that you remember from your, your childhood? I mean, I was thinking about this on the drive here. I don't know why, but, like, I do remember watching Three Stooges, like, very young, Ah. which that might be, like, my first comedy influence other than, like, I watched a lot of Saturday Night Live and stuff. But, like, I did – I always loved comedy movies and just – you know, TV shows. I never liked horror. I still don't like horror stuff. So like, yeah. And I know there's a lot of comics who do, but I just like, that's, that was never something for me. But, um, I did always like if, if you could get a laugh, cause especially like if you're the, the weird kid or like not the weird kid, but like you're the kid who's new or you're the kid Mm -hmm. who doesn't fit in or whatever. If you can get a laugh, that's always like huge. So that was like a thing that I kind of, if I, it just felt good as a kid. Like if you get a laugh as a kid, even if you were surrounded by adults, whatever, like it always just was nice feelings. So yeah. I think maybe that's why I gravitated towards that. Um, but yeah. And then I just like, I always try to avoid conflict. I think that's again, like a divorced kid thing mm-hmm. where like your parents are fighting. So you're like, I need to avoid that as much yeah. as possible. So you're trying to like, you know, uh, find the opposite of that, which sure. is a lot of times comedy. So yeah, I guess from an early age, but like, I just remember every if we had the option to watch whatever we were watching, it was like, let's watch something funny. That's what I always wanted to do. So. Yeah. When did the idea of you doing comedy start? Um, I was probably 20 or 21, somewhere around. Okay. So it was like when I was living, when I was working over in Germany, because um, I didn't, you know, TV over there is not as great as it is here. Mm. That's the one thing America does better than anywhere else is <laughs> like entertainment. So just watching a lot of YouTube and a lot of YouTube stand up, just, you know, clips mm. and random Bill Burr, Louis C.K., Doug Stanhope, you know, whoever. And uh, it just got to a point where I was like, I would like to try this. And I had a friend who uh, who went to the same college as me who had been doing like open mics and stuff around there. So I just hit him up. I was like, hey, you know. I want to try this, like, when I get back to Michigan, you you show me where some mics are or whatever like that. Yeah. So there was that. And then that same summer, I uh, I got Bell's palsy. I don't know if you know what that is. That's when, like, part of your your muscle function in your face. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, wow. Yeah, so my... And totally unexplained, like, yeah. cause, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times they really don't know what caused it. So I was... Luckily, I was in Germany, so I got to go to the hospital for mm. free. But uh, it was a funny thing there where I was like, you know... I went to the doctor. She's like, oh, yeah, you need to go to the hospital. Can you drive yourself there? I'm like, I'm fine minus my face. Yeah. I could drive myself there. So I go to the, the hospital, and, you know, I get seen by a doctor, and, you know, she kind of runs me through my options. And she was, you know, she was like, if you want to stay in the hospital, you can get steroid treatment and have a way higher, you know, percentage chance of it going completely away mm-hmm. right it's, i was young so she's like it'll go away anyway but do you want the steroid treatment and i was like well how much does that cost she's like nothing it doesn't cost any i was like oh yeah let's do that <laughs> um but yeah so i remember being in the hospital with nothing wrong which is the weirdest thing because usually if you're there you feel sick but it's like there's literally nothing wrong with you other than that so you're yeah. just laying around and the whole time it's hard to talk right so i was at that point i had already been thinking about doing stand-up but then when that happened i was like you really can't take speaking for granted like that because mm. it can go away so quickly and for no reason, you know. So I was like, I should really, as soon as I get back, I got to go start doing that. So then I yeah. started like, I did like my first mic and then, you know, it takes a while to get going, but sure. eventually I got going. So so I'm curious, if you were already thinking about those things, but you were in Germany, was there any notion that there might be a German comedy scene for you to test out? I mean, I'm sure there would have been, but I, you know, when I was first starting, I like, I had no idea where to even start, Mm. whether it was Germany or in Michigan or anywhere. I was just like, I, you know, I'm watching this. I didn't really even know what an open mic was. I was just, you know, like I knew, I just knew my one buddy and I was like, he, he's done open mics. He's told me about it. So maybe I'll just actually ask him and follow through on this stuff. But, um, I was living outside of Frankfurt. So there has to be Mm. something there, like, especially like expat communities. There's gotta be something there. And I know I've been told a lot of uh, a lot of people who've been to Berlin say there's a big stand-up scene there. So I I would love yeah. to go do that, but yeah. it's like 
it's not cheap. You know, you gotta, you gotta. I mean, even like road trips here, I'm like, are we gonna go to Houston for fifty bucks? You know, and it's <laughs> like, yeah, let's go to spend two grand to go to Germany and yeah. probably not make any money over there. It's like, yeah, it'd be fun, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But eventually, yeah. that'd be cool. And then there's the whole like, not not necessarily like language strictly speaking, but comedy is different Mm -hmm. depending on where you're performing it i mean you can even say that about the united states comedy in new york is different than comedy well maybe less so different than comedy in austin but different from comedy in portland or wherever or Mm. you know small town versus big city and you're talking america versus germany versus france versus india you know it's it's the references yeah i mean so like the cool thing about when we uh me and jenny started in detroit you, you could go do a open mic in Canada, like, really easily. Because mm. it's, like, 10 minutes, depending on how long the border takes. If, yeah. it, if it goes smoothly, you can get across in, like, 10 minutes. And you can go do a mic in Windsor, Ontario, which is right across from Detroit. And, like, yeah, you're 10 minutes from Detroit, from Michigan and America, but, like, your references are different. Yeah. They don't have the same commercials. Like, you realize how much of your comedy is based on, like, have you seen this commercial or this and that? Yeah. So it's, like, that was cool about Detroit. And you could drive, like, 45 minutes and you'd be in Ohio. Hmm. So, like, if you really hustled in one night, you could do a mic in Detroit, Canada, and Ohio. No way. Yeah, you. Can, I mean, you're driving a lot, yeah. but you, you could get that done pretty, wow. pretty. If you timed it, if everything worked out, you could do that. Sure. So, I mean, in terms of just like honing, which okay, this joke worked in every spot. So mm-hmm. this this is a universal joke. Okay, this joke doesn't really work unless I'm in America. This joke only works, you know, if I'm here. Or that. Yeah. Um, so yeah that's you know that's part of comedy is just testing out material as you go and not everything's going to work everywhere and you don't want to have too many local jokes that's the thing like you know you see in austin sometimes oh my god it's everyone has a joke about the homeless people it's like okay all right well yeah i've I've never heard that joke before it's (laughs) like oh another joke okay i got it yeah i got it so it's like um that's just something where excuse me unless you have like a really unique take on it yeah and it's frustrating when you see some of the out-of-town headliners come in, too, because they'll just open. And they, they do it everywhere they go, probably, where they're like, this is the town I'm in. This is what's going on in this. So let me open with that. Um, but sometimes that just, it's not, unless it's really good, a really good take, I, I don't find it that funny. Yeah, but, so, yeah. but yeah, it's like, you know, you got to figure out, you know, how much local comedy do you want to do? Because then you're going to get booked on the road and all that material has gone. And right. you got to have 30 minutes of something that will work wherever you're going, you yeah. know. So yeah, that's exactly. the challenge. Exactly. So do you remember that first open mic and how oh, did yeah. you prepare for it? Uh, I did not prepare well. <laughs> I drank about eight beers. Oh, boy. And, yeah, and then I walked over there and then I signed up and then I went to the bar next door and I drank <laughs> another beer and then I met a – a comic she's a mom she's uh she you know maybe in her 40s or something and you know she had been doing it so she was talking to her for a little bit and then we did a shot together and then i drank another beer i was so nervous and again clearly i had a drinking problem so yeah i uh i just got really drunk and then i just went up and kind of no just kind of riffed i guess for whatever three to five minutes and it went well enough to keep doing it like it didn't go so bad that i'm like i'm never doing that again it yeah. went like and even my buddy who was there he was like that was not terrible that was all right mm. it was i was okay and i was like oh boy so then uh and i know i've heard a lot of comics say similar things where it's like if the first time goes well enough you just keep doing it so yeah. um but i remember after that anytime i tried to do it drunk it just never went well so mm-hmm. like i even though I was drinking a lot, I was I, I got to a point where I wouldn't go up drunk. I would wait till afterwards to start drinking, which isn't necessarily better, but yeah, <laughs> like, I would usually like you were at least going to be professional. Yeah, I air was, quotes. <laughs> and and you know, I realized pretty quickly I can't do it if I'm drunk because I just had a couple of sets where it's like, oh, this is this is not that open mic. This yeah. is not going well. So I figured that part out. Um, but yeah, can I, just, if, if you're willing to, sure. can you explain to me? Because I, I get that a lot from comics that, that I talk to who have, have gone sober. What is the difference in your mind? How would, how would you describe that difference of how you perform on stage when you're drunk versus, and knowing that distinction of how it doesn't go well when you're drunk versus mm. when you're sober, especially if maybe you kept that same. Uh, approach of just going on stage and riffing and not necessarily well so i i do like writing a set list i like having i really like having 
my thoughts planned out beforehand. Mm -hmm. It never goes according to that plan. But I do notice that even sober, if I don't have any plan at all, Mm -hmm. it'll just, it'll be too unorganized. Mm -hmm. I like having a little chaos in there, but it's got to have, you know, the structure as well. So like if I was drunk, there would never be any structure. And like riffing is, is like, it's, it's a balancing act and you're, you're, you're improvising, you're balancing things. You're trying to call back like you're using your brain a lot. So if you're drunk, mm. that's not going to go well, right? Like it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's just like, you know, if you're drunk, you can't drive a car well. You can't do a lot of things well. You probably aren't going to be the best cook because, sure. oh, shit, that's still cooking. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just forget things like that. Um, so, I mean, for me, and I don't know about everyone else, but it's just like there's no there's no organization. So you can't. I couldn't at least riff properly because I'm just all over the map. I have, I have, I, and I don't have the ability to like, oh, this would be a good thing to call back or this would be a good thing to draw off the crowd here. This mm-hmm. and like none of, none of those skills, your motor skills are gone. Yeah. So like I don't, when I, when I'm on stage, even if I have like my bullet point jokes that I want to, so that's the other thing. Even if, if I have a set list and I was drunk, I'm really not following mm. that. Like I'm going to forget that. Yeah. At least if I'm not drunk, I, I'll like, you know, if I get a little off course on something, I'll still know, oh, okay, I, I, so I got to get back into this chunk, the dating stuff, and then this and this and that. Um, mm. So it's just like you have no organization. And so the few drunk comics who are really good, yeah. they just, they it's different with them. When they're, they're, I guess alcohol affects them in a way where they can be creative and like draw yeah. and do those things. But yeah. that's not most people. It's really yeah. not. And <laughs> what? I don't know why, but Doug Stanhope comes to mind. I yeah, mean. Doug Stanhope's a perfect example. But, yeah. like, he, you know, he is one in a million, literally. And, like, yeah. Ron White, who I think quit drinking, but he was, you know, because it's just in general, you know, and he, I'm sure you've seen comics who aren't those two, mm-hmm. who when they're drunk, you're like, oh, this is different. Yeah. This isn't the same, and it's not good. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's at that point, it's unprofessional. If you can't handle it, like, it's... Yeah. You know, so I figured that part out quickly that it's like, oh, this is unprofessional. And then the rest of it was just like, you know, okay, I'm not going up on stage drunk, but the, you know, I'm not writing because I'm getting drunk. I'm not, you know, I'm not going out to as many mics or shows because, you know, I was drunk or whatever. So it's like, it just starts to hinder other parts of your life, even if it's not impacting that set, you know, it's just wasn't good for me. So, but when did you feel like things were starting to to roll positively for you when, when it comes to comedy? Um, I would say end of 2018. So I quit my job in 2018, kind of in the middle of it. Um, just, I was working corporate finance in Detroit and I just hated it. And, uh, at that point I had, you know, I'd paid off my student loans and I'd saved some money and, you know, I'd worked there for a couple of years and I had been doing comedy the whole time, but I was like, you know, when you have a job, a corporate job, you have no like freedom to go do stuff. Like even when I would take personal time off right i'd still be getting hey where are you it's like oh i took a vacation i'm on vacation they're like oh right okay well can you still look this thing up for me and it's like when that's happening it's like and this they're just not even a comedy vacation this is just uh-huh. i'm on vacation this is new year's you gave me the time off you approved yeah. it. this is and you still got to do stuff like that so um yeah so i just i quit doing that and uh started going full-time into comedy and i've you know the whole time i've had side jobs and stuff just to sure. make some money but like uh once i quit and I started just doing as much comedy as I could. I'd start to go to Chicago because that's like four hours from Detroit. So once I started like just leaving and going to other places more, I started to feel myself get better and stronger on stage. And then I started to have, you know, like you, you had mentioned the the Detroit to LA thing that happened in 2019. That was like end of 2018 going into 2019. Then I went out to LA and, you know, 2019 did the Burbank Festival and did some other stuff. So I was, I had some really good momentum going into 2020 and then COVID shut it all down. But that's, yeah. that's something where there's so many people who had the same thing. Sure, so it's yeah. like, you know, I'm not going to be like, well, I had momentum. It's yeah. like a lot of people well, have momentum. Yeah. It's like, you know, it wasn't personal. They weren't like, ooh, <laughs> they weren't like, Marcus is doing well in comedy. Let's shut it down. That's <laughs> not what happened. But um, yeah, so it's just, uh. So that why that's you know so during the pandemic I was drinking even more because I had oh. nothing so I had nothing to do right and that, again that's many people had that story too sure. so it was like you know once I decided hey I got to stop doing that then I started going you know that's when we came down to Texas the first time so it's kind of back to the same thing of like let's go on the road let's try something different mm-hmm. so um, and that's when it started you know kind of picking up again we went to Dallas came to Austin and it's kind of been 
trying yeah. to get it restarted from there. So it's been uh, it's been good since then, since we yeah. came to Texas. So do you, do you feel like that some of that momentum is is back in your corner? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's it's going to be different. You can't. It's never going to be the same as it was. And uh, you know, but yeah, it's definitely. I feel I feel it back, and I feel myself growing again and going out and doing a lot of spots and. And then there's also the adjusting period, right? Where it's like, okay, so, you know, we were doing comedy. It's like, okay, there's only so many places open. You know, we're in a new scene. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so you kind of got to figure out, you got to redefine that momentum too. You know, you can't be like, well, this is what it used to, blah, blah, blah. It's like, everything's going to be a little different. You got to be, and that's why I like, I like having the set list, but you got to be able to adjust from that. I like having goals, but you got to be able to adjust those as you go Mm -hmm. on. I like having a plan, but sometimes you got to like, okay, no, I got to, this is actually yeah. makes more sense. Now that I've moved this far down the plan, I understand that the next step I thought doesn't really make sense at this point. I should mm. think about, you know, pivoting in a different way. Yeah. So, um, not being stubborn on stuff like that, because if you get too stubborn, it's like, you're not gonna, yeah, you're just yeah. gonna, I have to keep doing this. And it's <laughs> like, like I've seen people like that. They're like, I have to, this has to happen. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I get why you wanted that. But at this point you just want that to have that check box yeah but it's not going to do anything for you so whatever that is for people yeah so before the pandemic for a lot of austin comics that check mark was making it far or to finals of fpia Mm -hmm. and post pandemic there's so many people that compete in that Mm -hmm. and this the scene is so different that that's less of a check mark i think to in today's uh parlance i think a lot of people think that the Kill Tony spot mm. is that check mark. And for some people, it can be. I mean, Genevieve was able to turn it into a red, red band invitation that then, you know, she was able to make something of it, mm-hmm. uh, adapt, you know, her, her plan. And other people, it's like, okay, well, you got on Kill Tony, but where's where how did you adapt Mm -hmm. or are you hanging everything on this minute that you did yeah uh so well yeah yeah, there's a lot of people moving to austin um especially i think the newer comics Mm -hmm. who they think i'm gonna get on kill tony i'm gonna get secret show i'm gonna open for joe rogan i'm gonna i'm they're gonna fly me to london they're gonna i'm gonna do all and it's like uh that's that's the rarest case you know what i mean it's like getting the 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 gold wrapper in in willy Willy wonka Wonka. yeah yeah and a lot of these comics aren't they're just not even happy that they got a chocolate bar to begin with it's like you gotta you still gotta eat some chocolate you're in the movie you know what i mean um but yeah it's like you gotta have your own path. You can't. You can't put all your eggs on a basket like that. That specifically is such a crazy basket to put everything yeah. in because it's like the risk is so high, and the chances are so low. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like it's literally like buying the Mega Millions ticket. It's like, well, yeah. sure, if you win, you'll be a millionaire. But when you don't, like, yeah. what, are you, what are, you, are you still going to go to work tomorrow? You don't buy the ticket and then quit your job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, you got to see if you win first. But yeah. um, I don't know. I think, you know, the FPIA thing, that's kind of what the Detroit to LA thing was in Detroit, where it's like it's a big contest at the big club and everyone mm-hmm. wants to go win it. Um, and it's still a good contest here because, you know, if you win that, you get a lot of status in, in the city and you can leverage that in other ways. And I think there's a cash prize or something, which is, yeah, money's always nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's still like, and I know a lot of the comics who sign up, they spend every Monday, they'll spend four, five, six hours signing up, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, you got to get there early, you got to sign up, then you got to wait, and then you got to And it's like, that's six hours that you probably could have spent at three or four different yeah. open mics. You could have done 10 to 15 minutes of stage time tonight, actually developed Rather yeah. than taking a one percent chance at a one minute set and and mm-hmm. so forth, and that's not to say you should never do it, but it's like every Monday for for forever. Yeah. Well, this might be the one. It's like yeah, it might be the one, but okay, let's say you get picked. Did you do the homework up leading Did up? Did you to do that the point? homework? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like okay, you got picked. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm ready. It's and and again, a lot of the people think they're ready, but they're not. You know, and then there's the you know the people who just you know are discouraged by it and don't want to do it at all. So there's the balance of it, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got here right when Kill Tony was kind of getting here, so we don't know anything about what the old Austin scene looked like. Yeah. So when people tell us about it, it's always like, okay, that's it's <laughs> interesting to know what it was like before because it kind of adds a lot of context to what it is now. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not like there was nothing here. Wow, yeah. There was there was a whole you know, was a thing. there was a whole scene going on. Velveeta Room, yeah. 
which is, I think, it's one of my favorite rooms because I like small little rooms like that because you can, yeah. the laughs just bounce, 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 and they just stay in there yeah. forever. But I don't know. I think, you know, the other thing is with the show like Kill Tony moving here, the types of people who, you know, those are the kind of people who will follow it is people who are like, this is my chance, this is my mm-hmm. lottery ticket. And it's like, you know, sometimes those aren't the best comics. Yeah. The the people who think it's all going to blow up on one shot, but, you know. <laughs> But be that's realistic, the people. Be, be real, realistic. be realistic, but also like only because if if Kill Tony's what brought you to Austin, that's fine because there's so much other things going mm-hmm. on here. Like you can you can develop and do other things. You don't have to, and you can still sign up for Kill Tony. Yeah, but don't don't let that control your life. Yeah, I've seen that in people. And it's yeah, like, don't. Ugh. It's okay. There's other stuff. Go do the. There's a mic here and a mic here and a mic here. But yeah. Okay, we're gonna take a pause break and do this card game because after that, I want to ask about your podcast addiction. Okay. My, my description: podcast addiction. Okay. Maybe, maybe not really. Not, not given that you had an alcohol addiction. Oh yeah, probably no, not I the right an, terminology to use. I have an addictive personality okay. for sure. So the way this card game works, it's from a uh, an author, psychologist, lady. I shouldn't have added that. Uh, Esther Perel, where should we begin? It's all open-ended questions. So you're going to point to a card, and I will read it to you after you read the other card. So pick the one that you want me to read to you. All right. So read that one to me, and uh, I'll answer, and then it'll be your turn. I'm proud I stood up for myself when. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. Oh, gosh. That's a hard one, right? I'm like, man, I'm glad I picked that yeah. one. Ah, uh, gosh, looking back, so I've got a senior in high school, and okay. uh, I am so stinking proud of this kid, and uh, I think that his path would have been so different if I had not stood up and divorced his dad. Mm, hey, that's that's. Is there a clap? Do you have? I don't know if you have a soundboard, but yeah, there's right a clap. There. You can Which find one's one. the clap? I, it's fine if it's there. We go. Yeah. <laughs> and and not to disparage him. I mean, we we didn't work great as married people, but as a co-parent, we rocked it. Okay. So, yeah. That's... I, I yeah. There was that time, and then the time that I wrote, I was so young, and so rose-colored glasses. I wrote to the governor of Arizona because he refused, and I was a Texan kid. Uh, because he refused to recognize MLK Day in Arizona. In Arizona. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So um, I was so pissed because <laughs> he's such a he was such a racist, um, and but you know nothing really came of that. It eventually became a federal holiday anyway. So he lost. Damn. Yeah. Damn. No, I meant oh. da- I meant damn like nothing ever came of that. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> I meant it like that, yeah. and that they you know, that they had a racist governor, and yeah. that it took the the federal government. That I meant it, damn, like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I, right. <laughs> see, yeah, sometimes it comes out wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, okay. When I look in the mirror, the first thing I see. <sighs> That's the question. That's the question. I, and this is, again, back to what we talked about earlier. The first thing I see is just the, the, the person who's made all those mistakes. Ugh. And that's and I, I don't want to say that's every time I look in the mirror. Yeah. I think that's certain times I look in the mirror. Because there are other times, and it's happened recently, where you know you look in the mirror and you're like, no, no, I've, I'm proud of myself for certain things. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So um, I guess I go back and forth. But, again, it's the, the initial reaction is sometimes, you say, oh, you suck. You're the worst. <laughs> And again, it's just like that self-criticism is not always healthy. You have to have it because, yeah. you know, we're talking about people who put all their eggs in one basket. There's also people who will never self-criticize themselves. You know, they'll have the worst set ever and be like, that was great. And it's like, that's, you don't want to be that either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of times I look in the mirror and I, I, I see my flaws before I see anything else. Mm. And uh, it. It sucks because I know I again, like I said, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh no, I have I have good things about me as well. Yeah. And uh, you know, I guess it, it depends on how the day goes. You know, if it's obviously first thing in the morning, sometimes I'll be negative. But uh, I think if if I've had a good day or a good stretch of shows or some good sets. Yeah. Or you know, I signed up for health insurance the other day. Something like Yay. something where you're like, hey, I did something real, or I changed my yeah. light in my car. I had to take the bumper off and do a whole. <laughs> 
Like I, I'm not, I'm not a mechanic and I don't know a lot of things about, but like anytime I can change a light, I just, it gives me this boost of masculinity <laughs> that I don't know if I need, but like, I like little things, like changing a headlight and I'm yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, I did that, you know? So like little things like that, then I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I changed the headlight today. <laughs> so some, I think it just depends on like, I think the mirror reflects back what, what you've created that day, whatever, sure. if you've created positive momentum and like karma and stuff that day. Uh, I think I look in the mirror and think more positive things, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, my initial reaction in the morning is sometimes just like, ah, this guy again. Uh, <laughs> no. But yeah. Well, uh, for anybody that has not actually seen you, of course, if they're listening, they're going to see the the cover art oh, of yeah. you. Uh, to me, the first thing that I would expect you have to see is the beard, and. I will put, I will do a callback to I was watching the episode that you and Genevieve were on on the William Montgomery show oh, and yeah. you were lamenting how you hadn't found a barber yet mm-hmm. and the beard then looks very different than the beard now. Sure. It actually, did you find a barber that you trust? No, I had oh, is this scissors. Self-made? Yeah, oh, self-made. okay. And this is this is I think probably a month or two uh, without, but I think the William Montgomery one it had been a while. But yeah, I mean I'll I can I have. I have scissors and I have a little buzzer shaver thing, so I can I can do some myself. And uh-huh. I, I think part of it is like I don't want to pay a barber because oh, it's, well, it's just like I know in what the, Austin. Well, yeah, yeah, and I imagine they're expensive, but yeah. I just like I don't know. I I figure I can make it look fine enough. Anytime I yeah. do anything to it, the only there's only one person who says anything semi negative about it, and he's a barber. Oh. He's a barber and a comic. <laughs> And I'll leave it at that. I'm not gonna say his name. He knows who he is if he's listening to it. But uh, and he's he's he doesn't mean it mean. He just means it like I could do it better than that. I'm like I bet you could. Is it free? No. Okay. All right. Sorry. I don't. I can afford free right now. But you know, yeah. hopefully one day I can afford to pay someone to do yeah. it. But it's also just a thing where it's like I don't know. It's there's nothing worse than like, cause I used to have hair and get a haircut and stuff. There's nothing worse than getting a haircut and you're like, yeah, I paid for that. That's the worst. You pay for a haircut. You're like, I paid for that. I guess I can't not pay for it, but it's worse than a bad meal. Cause the meal you're done, you're like, Oh, you could throw that away. Yeah. And you're, no one knows about it, but the haircut, that's you for a while. So I go, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm a little sensitive about the beard and I don't want people to, I don't want it to get messed up. And yeah. that's a fear I have. That's because it's it's like hair. You go okay now. You just got to cut it all out. Oh, you messed it up. You keep messing it up, yeah, and then it's until, just messed up. Yeah. So yeah, no. Was <laughs> as a mom to a kid who has decided that he's just going to cut his own hair. You know, oh, okay. I kind of have to bite my tongue sometimes about the efficacy of 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 his accomplishments. It's gotten better. Yeah. With more practice, but yeah. see, I and with a beard, it's really just like I just need to like chop the length and then i can do a little buzz on the sides but like and then i'll like shave my head you know what i mean uh-huh. but like so that's a, that's just a situation where i have genevieve look at the back did i miss any spots uh-huh. but like when you're cutting your it's there's it's yeah. intricate you can't yeah. I, oh, I can't imagine cutting your own hair if you have actual hair yeah. that sounds sounds like a challenge yeah. but okay Let's talk about this podcast issue that you have. So I counted okay. at least four, I think. Oh, sure. That's about half the, of them. The, uh, oh, I didn't even list it. I listed somewhere else. So there's the Real Open Mics of Hollywood. Oh, yeah, that one. There's the Porn and Capitalism oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, there's that one. There's works every time. And I sure. feel like I missed another one. But uh, oh, these, yeah. are, these kind of represent different phases of of so yeah i mean my first i think the first time i ever recorded and released some podcasts um i don't even remember what it was called but it was in college it was on my ipad literally just me talking into my ipad oh wow and i would just put them out on soundcloud ah i don't even remember what those were called oh i did find a link to soundcloud i do really good research oh but it just goes user dash so i don't have the name oh use okay (laughs) so i mean i maybe did uh 10 15 and those were like those were kind of like just me ranting and they were sports related Mm. sometimes and sometimes not but it was a lot of sports on those ones and then um i think i threw that one away but that was like when I had done my first couple mics in college, and I was like, end of college, and I was just, I had an iPad, and I was like, I can, I can talk into a, into an <laughs> iPad. So I threw that one away, and then uh, I think I started another one. Maybe we did a couple episodes, like me and a buddy, but that one, I maybe three episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what that one was called. Then I did the open mics one, 
And that one, I started just by myself, and I was just, I just wanted to, like, I just really wanted to get back into podcasting because I like podcasting so much. And I had been, I had done other people's podcasts uh. and all this stuff, and it was just like, all right, let me, I have a microphone, let me do this. So I started doing that one, and that one I did for a while. I'm trying to think when I started that one. Twenty nineteen. Cause I was I was like I was getting ready to go out to LA and I was like, okay, you know, I want to have a podcast just because it just seemed seemed like a thing to do at that yeah. point. Like everyone was so I was like, okay, let me start one. I didn't been doing the open mics one. It was really just me recapping my week in comedy. Okay. That's all it was. And then I went out to LA and uh, I was living with Justin Essemacher and you know, I was like, Hey, you wanna do my podcast one of these? So then he did an episode and it was fun. So then we just started co-hosting it together and that turned then we changed it from the open mics to the real open mics to Hollywood because we were living out there. And then it uh -huh. just like so that was the one I probably did the longest. And then while we were doing that, me and Justin both started our own solo podcast. Okay. So that was the porn or capitalism one or whatever, and then he has his going through a podcast. So then we were so then I was doing those two. And then when we were living in Dallas, it was a lot easier because we were living together. Okay. But once we moved to Austin, it was like we weren't living together. So, you know, we'd have to, I'd have to drive to his place. He'd have to come to my place. Mm -hmm. So eventually it just got to be too much and we stopped doing it. Um, and then I eventually stopped doing my solo podcast because I was just like, I wasn't having fun with it. I didn't have the equipment anymore because I had kind of given that to him. And I just like... You know, oh, I had also done a, a German soccer podcast during the pandemic. Oh. Sorry, I forgot cool. about that one. <laughs> that really was, I had no idea. I was yeah. scratching the surface. <laughs> no, I mean, that, and that was one because it was like, I really like sports. There were no sports during COVID. The German yeah. Bundesliga was the first major sports league to come back during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, let me just do a podcast about this. It's the mm -hmm. only sport going on. So I did, I did maybe 10 or 15 episodes of that. And then, uh, yeah, and then, you know. So I hadn't podcasted in probably two years until we started the Works Every Time podcast. Just because, like, I'd been I, there's so much to do in Austin comedy wise. Yeah. Outside yeah. of podcasting, so I had just been busy, and then uh, you know, me and Justin kind of talked about, hey, we should do the podcast again. I was like, okay, but I want to rebrand it. I don't want it. It's got to be something new, something mm -hmm. different. And then uh, our buddy Phil, who's from Dallas, we actually met him up there. Oh. Before and then we all kind of moved down here around the same time. But he's originally from Fort Worth area, huh. um, so he was like, "Oh, you guys are doing your podcast again? I want to be on it to just because uh. me and Justin fight a lot on the podcast. Uh -huh. That's kind of that kind of turned into the dynamic. <laughs> Maybe that's why I think that's part of why we stopped. It was getting a little toxic, and it was just like it wasn't good for the friendship. So mm. now now that we have Phil kind of like keeping us separated and stuff like that, and. <laughs> We have rules on the podcast. One of them is you have to, if you get too negative, you got to say something positive, which I think is a good rule for life because yeah. I've just, I've noticed you that. You should, yeah. Yeah, I've just <laughs> noticed like on that podcast, sometimes we do get a little negative and like when we do point out the rule, it's like, oh, this is a good, yeah, let's say something positive and it kind of uh -huh. helps things out. So that's been good. But yeah, I, I like podcasting. It's like, I think the other issue is I don't have any of the knowledge of producing it. Mm. like any of this stuff yeah. i'm lost like <laughs> if it's not just like a, that's why the first one was just me and an ipad right and then yeah. once mike's got involved i started getting like i don't know what i'm doing so part of it was also like uploading and all the, the editing and everything like the, you know this is a yep. lot of work yep. and uh so there, there, there just got to be times where you know the work was a lot and then me and justin would split some of it and then it's like who's doing more who's doing what so when we started this podcast up i was like look i I'm not good at producing this stuff. I'm not good at editing editing this stuff. I'm not good at a lot of these tools. So just let's know that going in. We have a producer for it. He does a ton of work. He's awesome. And like I think if we didn't have that and we didn't have Phil kind of being the mediator, I don't know. I don't know if this would have and we've only done like 10 episodes, but I don't even know if we would have gotten that far, yeah. you know what I mean? Cuz it's just like I don't have those skill sets. Yeah. And it's like, it's another thing with comedy where like, I have the skill set on stage, but I can't produce shows. I can't get people to show up. Really? I can't market that stuff. Like it's a different skill set. And mm. I, I've seen people who are good at that. And if you're not good at that, it's really hard to get people to show up to shows. Yeah. Cause like, you got to figure out how to market to who, how to make the flyer look good enough. And there's so many, there's so many other shows in Austin. It's like, yeah. now I got to compete with all this. It's like, it's not easy, so I I respect anyone who can do mm. that stuff because I can't do it. But, Interesting, because yeah. you're a planner and organizer, and yet this area that you know very well as yeah. a performer, 
I'm I'm surprised. Well, so on the podcast end, technology, I'm not that good with. Yeah, that's fine. Nobody that is. part, that's, yeah, and but the sucks. marketing, the shows thing, it's like I mean, I've had some success with it, but it I I know it takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. and I don't have enough time to do it at, at a level where it's going to work. I know it takes money. I don't I don't have enough money to devote to that and do it in a way where I'm like this is. Like if I had an unlimited budget and unlimited time, I'm yeah. sure I could promote well. But like, given the 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 resources and the the limitations on those, it's like, do I really want it? Because I I've done it. It's it's but it's just like you might break even. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, is that worth it? That's that's kind of where I'm at with a lot of it. It's like I don't and I don't think I'm the worst producer or marketer for shows. Yeah. But it's like, you just have to get to a point where you're like, is it worth me doing it? When there's other people who produce shows and are good at it and like to do it and are already doing it, it's like, do I really need to start a show from scratch? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the shows I've had in the past where it's just like, you know, um, sometimes you get involved with a venue that doesn't really care about it. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay, as soon as you realize the venue doesn't care, this show's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's just yeah, not going to happen. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a different skill set. It's, yeah. it's something that, you know, I don't really have that. Yeah. But. And I like to focus on the comedy, you know, I've realized like you only have so much energy, you only have so much time, you got to pick and choose where you use that because if you try to do everything, it's like you're going to spread yourself. It's like, you know, on the one hand, yeah, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, but if you put one egg in every basket, it's like, well, you're not making an omelet with one egg. You got to get all your (laughs) baskets together at some point, but consolidate a little bit. There's a balance with all that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are Are you doing traveling? Um, so we did just go to Florida. Oh, okay. That was about, what is today? Today's Saturday. So like last yeah. week, Wednesday, Thursday, we were in Tampa. Uh-huh. So we did two shows out there at the Sunshine City Comedy Club. That was really cool. This is a short turnaround trip. Um, and again, that was one where we had a producer who did the stuff and, you know, mm. booked the flights and did everything. So um, that helps. But yeah, that was fun. Uh, we're going to, we got some San Antonio gigs lined up for uh, for February, I think. But I think next week, yeah. I don't know, when does this come out? This is going to come out uh, end of February. End of February. Okay. Yeah. All right. You well, were just ho- in San Antonio. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for coming out to San Antonio. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, March, we got some San Antonio stuff too. Um, we're trying to plan some Michigan stuff for this summer. Oh, cool. Um, trying to go back to Michigan, do some shows. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now, that's kind of what we got. So mm-hmm. um, I do know that we wanted to do a Works Every Time show in Dallas soon. So ah. we, we haven't done, we haven't lined anything up yet, but um, we wanted to do a show with the three of us, uh, me, Justin, and Phil on it. So um, yeah, just trying to work stuff out. You know, again, I, do, I like booking road gigs. Because, again, it's like if you can book a show and, you know, the, they're like, oh, yeah, we got the venue and we'll market and they do all that. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I don't, I like outsourcing certain yeah. things because it's, you know, if again, if you do everything, you, it's not going to happen. But um, so, yeah, we're, I do want to try to do some works every time shows in Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio because, you know, kind of close to here, but mm-hmm. but not Austin. Yeah, yeah. Mix it up. but Makes sense. Yeah. So how did you get involved with Sunset Strip? Um, I mean, I started, I worked for Vulcan for two years. Uh, I got the Vulcan job on Kill Tony. I went up on Kill Tony and they were like, oh, do you, you you know, what do you do for work? And I was like, I just moved here looking for work. And they hired me at Vulcan because they were, the owner was right there. So this Uh is, uh, when it was still at Antone's, but, Uh um, so I worked for Vulcan for two years and then when Sunset opened, I moved over there, um, and I mean, I like working there. It's, I I like working at a comedy club because you can, you're literally working and you can go do a set. Yeah. Like at the same time, yeah. you know, I've had, like I said, I've had so many different jobs and it's like at a comedy club, you can a be yourself. Like when I work corporate finance, you can't be yourself. No, no. You can't just like the jokes. It's like having to work clean, but worse, you know, it's the worst. It's like, you know, cause the, everyone's, and I just, I remember looking around and everyone looks so miserable and I was like, ah, oh, this is, I can't. I can't even joke around here with uh-huh. you guys. And it's at the comedy club. Obviously you make way less money than corporate finance, yeah. but it's like, you know, the freedom to just be yourself and, you know, still, hey, you know, you some comic didn't show up. You want to do a set real quick. You know, that happened last yeah. night. So it was just like, yeah, I would. That's why I'm in Austin. I didn't come here to do anything other than comedy. So um, but I understand that, you know, you need a job. You got to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. So it's like being able to double dip there at a comedy club is nice. Um, I'm not necessarily a morning person, even though I have another morning job, too. Um, 
I like that one because it's like I get free brisket. That's nice. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to work for it. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, the benefit of working at a, yeah. at a restaurant. But I like working at Sunset because it's just, you know, it's uh, it's chill. It's not too intense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and, I mean, I can handle intense jazz. Sometimes it gets busy. And, it's you know, when it's busy, it's intense. It's any mm-hmm. place. But uh, I do like just being able to do spots when you're at work because yeah. there's no other job where you can, like, Oh, hey, go follow your dreams for ten minutes and come back and do some dishes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's no no jobs are like, ah, you go do your dream for like five, ten minutes and then come back. Yeah. Like I've never had a job like yeah. that. So that's really cool. Like I said, even when I worked at uh, corporate finance, they'd always be they'd be asking you to do stuff on your vacation. And here it's just like, Oh, I know you're technically on our clock right now, but mm-hmm. go do this real quick and come back. So yeah. it's it's cool that they encourage you to do that and then just working at a place where you can be yourself and you know, not have to worry, be on, you know, eggshells all the yeah. time about like, oh, don't, don't say anything stupid yeah. there. It's like, oh, you said something stupid. Okay. Well, don't use that one on stage. <laughs> like when you bomb in front of your coworkers, it's just like, okay, all right, well, whatever. It's not, uh-huh. you've seen me bomb on stage. You see me bomb in front of what it doesn't matter. But yeah. you know, when you, if you're in like a corporate meeting and you try to slip a clean joke in and it just bombs miserably, you're like, <laughs> all right, let's talk about these figures now, I guess. Let's talk about Q2. How's Q2 look? <laughs> And you just had to, oh, you got to sit there the rest of the meeting. Like, I look like an idiot. It's the worst. But I don't know. So I, I, I like working at comedy clubs. It's nice. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, well, I don't know how much tie-in there is with the mothership. I know that Red Band is co-owner of mm. Sunset Strip. But, like, the thing that I keep going back to with the mothership is it's the first time Austin has seen, like, a, a true apprenticeship Sure. program so it's in comedy yeah in comedy okay yeah in com- yeah not, <laughs> i don't know what else uh hopefully other yeah i would other assume yeah, yeah there's got to be that. some you know like a welder or something <laughs> yeah right. I've, I've, I've driven on these roads i don't know if they have them on the <laughs> for the road crews but yeah uh so it sounds like sunset strip is maybe an informal um, apprenticeship sure i mean it's just like um Comedy just you you have to do it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, there are classes for it. There's you know you can I know there's comics who are like I'm not gonna go do a mic. I'm gonna stay home and write. And mm-hmm. it's like okay, writing is super important. But at the end of the day, you got to get as many reps in as you can because that's yeah. the only true way to prepare. And even if you you can spend three hours writing, you don't know if any of that stuff's good until you yeah. try it. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the fact that Austin has all these clubs on that little street, mm-hmm. on 6th Street, is important because you can just get the reps in quickly, and then, you know, you can work at Vulcan Creek, Mothership, or Sunset, and all four of those spots, like, they'll let you do time while you're working, taking out trash and stuff. So it's just like, yeah, the point of an apprenticeship is like, hey, we're trying to build your skills for the future, but, you know, ideally you should, you're getting paid for your time now, because, like... A lot of the times where like if, you, if you're in college, you're trying to build skills for the future and you are not getting paid at all. You're actually paying to do it, yeah, right? So it's yeah. like that's such a disadvantage where, you know, if you were doing an apprenticeship, it's like you're learning and making money to pay for your food tonight, mm-hmm. your rent this month. Like you can take care of your expenses while investing in your future. Like investing in your future doesn't have to mean you get nothing now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like. It is cool that uh, you can, because otherwise you just have to do your mics in your free time and you have to work in your work time. And uh, the fact that you can kind of overlap those two together, just it gives you flexibility. It gives you, you know, a, a place to be yourself and make money at the same time. It's like, right. that's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice when the, the place where you make your money is somehow related to what you want your career to be, right? Because it's like if, yeah. you're, if you're doing an apprenticeship, you're like, no, no I want to be an auto mechanic. That's what in 35 years, I want to be a retired auto mechanic. So mm-hmm. now I'm going to invest my time now so I can do that. It's like if you want to be a comic, a retire, you know, in 35 years, a comic who's touring or whatever, it's like, okay, how much of your time can you invest now towards that? Mm-hmm. And if you got to spend seven hours at a, you know, place – washing cars or whatever, or, you know, whatever it is, if it has nothing to do with comedy, it's like, those are seven hours that, yeah, you needed that to sustain, but you, you those were seven hours you couldn't really devote to comedy at yeah. all, unless right. you're writing in your head the whole time. But yeah. that's, that's, you know, that requires a lot of discipline that a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. I like working there. It's fun. It's good. Cool. <laughs> is there anything we haven't talked about that you want people to know about you? 
I don't know. I feel like we've covered so much. Um, I don't know. I mean, check out the Works Every Time podcast. I uh, yeah, I don't know. I just like come to Austin if you've never been here. Um, I don't know how much of the audience is not Austin, but like yeah. come here if you haven't been here. Um, you know, and if if you are like a new comic or something like that, like I, I was talking to a comic the other day who's not even a new comic. He's been doing it doing it for like a year or two, but he doesn't get up that much. And I was just like, you know, he he had got asked to do a show last minute. You know, I was talking like where you get asked, hey, can you go do a spot real quick? Yeah. He got asked to do that and he ended up saying, ah, oh, I can't do it because he was nervous. And I was like, you know, I was just talking to him. He's a good friend of mine. So I was like just talking him through it. And I was like, do you want to do this? He's like, yeah, I want to do comedy. I was like, all right, you need to be doing as many mics as yeah. you can. Like in Austin, you can be doing two, three, four, you know, a night sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, obviously. But yeah. you can you can do four in a night. So I was, you know, we're talking and I was like, what are you doing right now? And he was like, well, I was going to sit here, blah, 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 maybe go home right. I was like, let's go to Creek right now. So we go to Creek. He does the mic and then he texts me later. He was like, thank you so much for making me. It's just like, yeah, you know, you got to just go do it. So if you're a young yeah. comic and I was there too, where it's just like, I don't know. I don't know where to start. It's just like find other comics who know where to go yeah, and just ask them like you, you the more you ask, the more information you get, and then you just got to force yourself to do it. Because if you don't force yourself to do stuff, like, nobody makes you do comedy. Yeah. It's like one of those <laughs> things where it's like, it, you know, it's like working out where, like, unless you have a personal trainer or you have a coach, like, nobody's making you do anything in <laughs> life. True. Like, there's so much of life where it's like, nobody's making you do yeah. this. And comedy is one of those things where it's like, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, but... If you want to do this, mm-hmm. you have to want to do this because otherwise it's just never going to happen. Right, so right. That's all I would say. It's just, you know, follow your dreams. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now I have noticed, I know I, I said we were going to be done talking about the comedy power couple oh. thing, but I have been noticing a little thing on your... Oh, yeah, yeah. we're engaged. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thank you, I was thank say, you. Are congratulations in order? Thank nice. you. Uh, yeah, I guess do we do was she not wearing the ring when we did this uh, live when you interviewed her? I don't remember. Well, she, I don't think she was doing this. Oh, she's talking with She's her hands. Yeah, she okay, doesn't talk sorry. with her hands, I don't think. Um, yeah, I mean, we got engaged like last May. Okay. And we just again don't know how to tell people <laughs> cuz like we told like I I when we first got officially engaged, we've been dating like five and a half years. Yeah. So it's like we've talked about it, you know, and then when we finally got engaged like i remember i i texted my mom which is maybe a mistake i should have called whatever i texted her and she sent me a she sends me a thumbs up emoji so i was like okay all right this is my german mom right so then we call her mom and her Mm -hmm. mom's like why now you know like okay and we're like she's like i mean i'm happy but like i just you know what changed why now blah blah blah. Uh, and then we called her dad and her dad was like hey i'm running in real let me i'll call you right back so then he calls us back. We're like, we got engaged. And he's like, that's it. I got stuff to do. I mean, good, nice, but I got, you know. So like, those are the first three people we told. So kind of from yeah. there, we're like, what if we just don't go around telling everybody yeah. all the time? So then what happened is our material adjusted because we'd start saying fiance or engaged uh-huh. or whatever. So then people would start hearing it and they'd be like, where did you get engaged? Like they were like mad at us because we didn't uh-huh. tell them. And I was like, I Sorry, I don't know. I don't know what to tell. So yeah, but thank you. Yeah, yeah, we're engaged. So we're uh, working on trying to figure out when exactly we're going to get married. Yeah. Hopefully later this year. Yeah. That's well, and nobody's going to know about it, right? Because we'll have to tell to. people about that. But yeah, I mean, so the plan is we're going to just do like a courtroom wedding and then have a sweatpants after party. So nice. you got to wear your best sweatsuit. Nice. Uh, nothing fancy, but yeah, just something relaxed because it's like you know that's. That, the sweatpants after party we had talked about for about two or three years. That's hilarious. So that part was more official than anything uh-huh. else other than just, just like, we're doing a sweatpants after party, right? It's like, okay, we'll do sweatpants after party. So. But yeah, no. So um, more to come. Hopefully uh, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a date soon. But we're working on that. Okay. Sorry for that detour. No, that's the, probably the most important part of the podcast. So. All right. Well, uh, are you ready for your closing question? Yes. Okay. I think. I think I One think. word to describe your future. Beautiful. Ah, nice. Look yeah. at that. You go from grown to beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I really like, I do try to be optimistic and just like, you know, um, I know that the future is going to, it's going to be with Genevieve. It's going to be doing comedy. It's going to be a lot mm-hmm. in Austin. I hope. I love Austin. It's great. So it's like, you know, when I look at the future, I'm de- I'm like, 
because I think the thing with the past is you know what the mistakes were. When mm-hmm. I look at the future, it's like, yeah, there's negative stuff, but, like, I'm always aiming at all the positive stuff. Like, I know there's going to be negative stuff. Yeah. But it's like there's so much, like, you know. And I think part of that is when you have goals and plans and things like that, it's like, okay, you have stuff to look forward to. So mm-hmm. it's like, what does your future look like? Well, it's like, I mean, do you really want to know? Because, like, <laughs> I, have, I have a painting in my head of what it looks like. It's like that's going to take a while, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's, uh, I'm excited for it. I think it's gonna be beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. That's very good to hear. Mm. I, I like the, the, the positive focus so that I you try. can tamp down that I know. natural you... reaction that yeah. you have. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> All right, well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham presents Marcus Oland. Uh, Marcus, tell us where we can find you on social media and promote your projects. Uh, at Beard Von Marcus, B E A R D V O N Marcus with a K. Um, that's on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, I'll, I post clips on there, podcast clips, stand up clips. Uh, any dates I have will all be on there. So if uh, you want to check me out, go on there. Okay, very good. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Marcus got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much (laughs) as I I have. This has been Comedy Wham! Presents Marcus Oland. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for having me.